This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you we're rolling right along. Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. We got a lot to do today, Uh, a lot of college football discussion, how Georgia can repeat as national champions, what the SEC is going to look like as we are getting ever so close to the start of college football once again. We have games this week, even some games over in Ireland. I'll stop the Irish accent, I promise. Um, between Northwestern and Nebraska. And uh, we have a lot to get to here today on the show. So uh, let's start today with the Atlanta Braves because they win again yesterday. They destroy the Pirates, uh, as everybody expected. They sweep the season series against them. And right now, <clears throat> excuse me, this is a team that is just a game and a half out of first place in the NLE standings. Now, again, the Braves will have an, an off day tonight. Um, the Mets will play. So this could go back to two games by the time, you know, things kick off for the weekend series uh, in St. Louis for Atlanta. And uh, we talked about this yesterday, just kind of where they are uh, and, and the likelihood that they could overtake first place at some point here in the next week. If they don't, I don't think you probably see it happen until they face each other uh, down the road at the end of September just because of the way the the schedules line up and the opponents are and everything else. So that said, you know, I, I I suppose we all have different definitions of fun Um, with this team where it is right now and what they have in front of them. I would like to think that them repeating as world series champions is a very realistic possibility. I think Braves fans feel like it is. Uh, And how sweet would that be just from the standpoint of for, for, a franchise that had so many division winners in a row and so many trips to the playoffs and only got one World Series out of it. You know, fans in this town sort of scoff at that and it sticks in their crawl a little bit in reference to, um, in reference to you know, uh, not getting more championships, right? And I, I understand that. So to win back-to-back in this sort of resurgence of the Braves would be, would be pretty awesome. But let's just say for argument's sake, we'll have a little fun here. And again, I guess that we have different definitions of fun for me and some people. But let's say the Braves in the World Series again. Now, the one big question is um, that Dansby Swanson may or may not be here following this offseason. And what do you do? Freddie Freeman was wanted to, to be brought back here by the Braves. They did everything that they could. They, they uh, made a very competitive offer. Uh, the Dodgers just made a bigger and better offer, and, and they ultimately lost out. And lo and behold, they swoop in, get Matt Olson, sign him to a long-term deal, and here we are. Let's just assume for argument's sake that Dansby Swanson um, gets a deal done here in the offseason. And he is back. Now, that begs the question. It's the same problem that we've talked about here for the last you know week plus about what do you do when Ozzie Albies returns? Where do you play Vaughn Grissom, who is a natural shortstop? He's been playing second base. He's done phenomenal. Uh, continues to tear the cover off the ball. And it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup. What does that look like? And how do we do this? Um, You know, I don't know where fans get this whole concept of, you know, oh, just move 
player X to this position that he's never played in his life, and everything is solved, i.e., just play Vaughn Grissom in left field. It's, it's no big deal. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, guys. Um, that, it, things aren't that simple. This isn't a video game. I don't know if Vaughn Grissom has ever played left field in his life. Uh, I don't know if he's got an arm for left field. You know, I, I mean, again, an arm from shortstop or second base is different than an arm from the outfield. So I'm not saying he's got a weak arm, but, like, you're just assuming a whole lot of things. And I guess if, I suppose the theory of, well, if Marcelo Zuna can play left field and Austin Riley can play left field, uh, well, so can Vaughn Grissom. I, I suppose there's that. I suppose. But – I don't subscribe to that theory until somebody smarter than me in baseball tells me that. Like, I don't no disrespect fans. Like I don't listen to fans tell me that that is a viable thing that you can do. I just, I don't, I don't play like that. So from that standpoint, uh, you have a log jam now at shortstop and second base in the middle of the infield. And it begs the question, what do you do? Well, there's a proposition there, and I threw it out on my Twitter account, and I'll tell you what that is in just a second. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.net, your number one resource for all odds, lines, and games. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events right there on betonline.net. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, which obviously with the playoffs coming, you know, there's going to be a lot of content out there on how to bet baseball. NFL right around the corner, growing content on NFL, along with college football, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, which is a ton of fun. Uh, you don't have to be like a great better, you know, or this, this handicapper to be able to live in-game bet. It's about watching the game a little bit, getting a feeling for what's going on and try to predict the outcome. So live in-game betting is great. There's scores, there's podcasts. They've got you covered on it all. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so here's my proposition. I threw this out on my Twitter account at Mark Zeno. And my, my timeline now is, is being, you know, sort of blown up here. Uh, and people are getting very, very upset. Uh, nonetheless, I asked a simple question that if Dansby Swanson, Dansby Swanson resigns, who would you rather see Alex Anthopoulos trade away, Vaughn Grissom or Ozzy Albies? And um, right now through, you know, just the 30 plus minutes of voting, we got a couple of hundred votes and 61% of the people say Vaughn Grissom, which I would tend to agree with. The sample size isn't all that big. Uh, Ozzie Albies is under the most team friendly deal, maybe in Major League Baseball. Uh, he's already a proven all-star. He made an all-star team already, didn't he? I think so. Anyway, <clears throat> if not, he's an all-star caliber shortstop, uh, second baseman rather. And Vaughn Grissom has played about 25 games. Um, and granted, they've been an amazing 25 games and maybe his value is shot up, you know, to, in, in the eyes of a lot of other GMs and where they get this guy, how'd they find him? How do we miss this guy kind of deal? Uh, and teams will be lusting after him to, to, to get him and trade him away. Um, and everybody's response generally is, well, neither, you don't have to trade them both away. No, you don't. I suppose you don't. Um, but again, to me, Vaughn Grissom in left field is not a viable option until somebody in baseball tells me different and they've seen him play, I, I, I switch positions all the time. Like, it, it's not the end of the world, but I just think it's a false assumption to make at this point in time that all of a sudden we can move Von Grissom like that and everything's going to be fine. I mean, I, again, I would tell you that you probably get more in return for Ozzy Albies if you were going to trade him as a proven commodity, given his age and his contract, than you would for Von Grissom. 
in many many GMs' eyes, Vaughn Grissom could just be a flash in the pan. This could be luck. We've seen this happen before, guys. We've seen it happen before. We've seen guys come up, set the world on fire, and then stink the rest of the way out once they start a full season and 162 games makes you what you are. And I've said that for years. It's the great thing about the game of baseball. 162 games will make you what you are. And if you're a 260 hitter, you'll be a 260 hitter. Is Vaughn Grissom a 400 hitter? Chances are probably not. But again, he's only played 20 plus games in the bigs right now at this point in time. So uh, from that standpoint, again, I, I would think that teams would have more value for Ozzie Albies over Vaughn Grissom. And you could make Grissom your everyday second baseman if you wanted to at Dansby. I think there's that. But in the same respect, again, uh, it would be hard to let go of a player like Ozzy that you've grown and developed into an all-star caliber player and one that is ready-made for your team and your lineup and then trade him away this early into his career. Now, what, what would you get in return? I think that's a fair question. You know, if, if there is a huge name starter that comes along with it and a big name player and everything else, like I think all those things are fair. Um, but I, to me, again, this is a fun question. And people on my Twitter account have been like, screaming, yeah, that's not fun. This isn't fun. You're, you're, you're not fun. No, I'm fun. I just, you know, I just like to use my brain. I don't like to like to, you know, turn around and, and you know, just take the easy way out. So for me, it's, you know, again, I, I, I just won't understand the idea that we could just move players around like it's no big deal and this, that and the other. But there's that. Anyway, to me, again, it was fun. I thought it was fun. All right, coming up next. Um, and oh, by the way, I just have to add this in there uh, as it popped into my head. But the other one is, yeah, just cut Ozuna. Just cut Ozuna, and that solves the whole problem. Like, yeah, you still don't have a left fielder because Rosario stinks right now, and you still don't have a left fielder. I guess you have Robbie Grossman, but he's not a very good hitter for his career. Like I said, baseball makes you what you are. All right, anyway, coming up next, uh, the one thing Georgia can do to nearly assure themselves of winning a national championship, but I don't think they will. That's coming up next right here on ADZ on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to Locked On Sports Atlanta. It is A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Uh, coming up, we'll have Shovels of Wisdom and uh, a mini SEC preview. That if the top teams falter, who will be there to pick up the slack? We'll get to that coming up before the end of the show. Uh, wanted to take this second segment here today um, to discuss Georgia. Because as we're getting closer to the beginning of college football season, again, they will open up next weekend, Labor Day weekend, uh, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium against Oregon. A game in which Oregon is getting 18 and a half points, and I'm taking the Ducks. Sorry. Uh, not because I think they'll win, just because I don't think Georgia will, will blow them out. But again, a uh, different conversation for next week, so we'll get to that. But, um, you know, I have said repeatedly that I don't think – you know, my, my money wouldn't be on Georgia to repeat as national champions. Uh, it's very hard to repeat. I mean, obviously, you know, as good as Clemson was for a four-year stretch, they didn't repeat. They got there in back-to-back -back years, but they didn't repeat. Um, Alabama has repeated, but they're obviously really the only one within our lifetimes that have done it with any sense of regularity, or at least in the BCS World Plus. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not an easy thing to do, to say the least. But... One of the reasons I have said that I don't think Georgia can repeat is simply because of Stetson Bennett. Now, before everybody gets all up in arms about my hate for Stetson Bennett or 
oh, I, I just don't like whatever. I mean, it, it he's a limited quarterback, folks. I, I don't think that's an insult to say. I think that's pretty accurate. And we've talked about this before. Alabama has won with limited quarterbacks. Jake Coker was a limited quarterback, right? I mean, Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, all these guys who didn't get drafted high tells you that they have a limited skill set that doesn't translate well to the next level. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. I mean, there, there are scouts that thought Desmond Ritter had a better skill set for the NFL and projected him as a first-round pick. He fell to the third, obviously. But my point is, is that, you know, Desmond Ritter has a better skill set than Stetson Bennett does. Otherwise, Stetson Bennett would have been getting attention the way Desmond Ritter was and said, okay, he can play at the next level. So I don't think that's an insult to say. I just think it's a fact of the matter. That doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback, and it doesn't mean you can't win with him. It just means he's limited. And because of that, uh, I don't know that Georgia will necessarily adapt to what is a different landscape in college football. Now, Seth Emerson of The Athletic, uh, who's covered Georgia as well as anybody has, um, put out a column talking about how Georgia's offense can feature the passing game even more in 2022. Part of the reason, again, I don't think that they are going to crush Oregon in week one is because of Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart will always have a governor on this offense. It's the bottom line. Until you see different, until I see different, I don't believe for one second that the offense is ever going to look any different. I think that there is a certain amount of this is what he believes. He's not going to abandon a running game, especially when he's got a high-level defense and he wants to grind the tempo of the game down uh, and continue to control it that way, especially against bigger and better teams. Now, when he gets a little bit of a lead against these bigger and better teams, he will he will flip the script on them and open it up rather wisely. Um, but that's just not his style. And I don't I don't necessarily believe it's like outdated per se. But what I do believe is that if you want to win at a consistent high level in college football today, you need to have an offense that can score and score quick. And you need to have an offense that uh, looks and feels similar to what Ohio State and Alabama put out there every single year. Really fast guys on the outside and a quarterback with a rocket arm uh, and mobility and being able to sort of use the pass a little bit more to set up the run. That's a more effective way in today's game of football and college football to do it. Now, Seth Emerson points out that Georgia has the ability to do it, and they're actually trending in that direction. I'll give you some numbers here in just a second. First, a word for my friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America, and it's right here in the Atlanta area. Folks, Coffee AM is some of the best coffee I've ever tasted. It's part of my morning routine. Wake up in the morning, get a Coffee AM K-cup, drop it in the coffee maker, bam. And I get the most delicious, freshest, best-smelling coffee out there. Their coffees are fresh because they roast them and ship them on the same day or very close to it. That means when they get to you, you can open that box, you're going to smell it, you'll be like, wow, this is amazing. And it is. Because they only roast current crop specialty-grade coffees, and you get them from all over the world. Kenya, Tanzania, Sumatra, Rainforest, whatever it may be. I mean, there's a dozens of flavors out there um, that you've probably never even tried from places you've never even heard of, and they're all amazing. It's organic. It's fair trade, direct trade, specialty crafted blends of espressos, coffees, teas, and gift sets. It's all there at coffeeam.com, and it's roasted right here 
in your backyard. Here's what you do. Go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on today. Take a look at all of the coffee, teas, and gift sets, the full menu. That's coffeeam.com backslash locked on. And use the promo code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets. That's coffeeam.com, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Okay, let's get back to uh, Georgia here and some of the numbers that predicate that say they may be able to uh, start to throw the ball a little bit more. And these numbers are all focused on the tight ends. Why? Because Georgia probably has the best tight end group in the country, led, of course, by Brock Bowers. Uh, If you look at it, the percentage of plays with two tight ends um, in 2019 was 26.8. By 2021, it was 51.7. That FBS rank went from 51 to 8th in America. Now, those aren't just blocking plays with tight ends, right? I know Georgia runs a lot, so you have double tight ends, so you get more blocking. Nope, these are drop back percentages with two-plus tight ends. In 2019, they were 23.9. In 2020, they were 28.2. In 2021, they were 40.1% of two tight end sets where they passed. That FBS rank went from 97 to 82nd up to 30th, okay? Snaps per game with tight ends lined up wide. Now you're starting to get a little bit more into the, the modern-day football that we've been talking about. Okay, in 2019, it was 3.2, elevated to 4.1 in 2020, and then 7.4 in 2021, right? That's 7.4 snaps per game with tight ends lined up wide out. So clearly, they are going to use tight ends effectively. And I don't think there's any doubt of that, but here's the rub, and this is what I will always put back on you. Tight ends aren't meant to separate down the field. Tight ends don't score 85-yard touchdowns without a lot of mess-ups on the defensive end. And typically because they don't run four, four 40-yard dashes. That's why. They're sort of bigger, a little bit slower, and easier to be brought down, so to speak, in the open field. Um, you know, the Jackson Smith and Jigbas of the world, uh, those guys on the outside, you know, like, they're hard to come by, and they're incredibly tough to defend. And they force a defense into very compromising positions um, where they have to make some really hard choices. Do I want to go with this guy, or do I want to go with that guy? And in reality, again, this isn't all about Stetson Bennett. This is more philosophical for me than anything else. This is more about if Georgia is going to, and Kirby Smart is going to, allow that sort of game to develop. Now, again, Georgia doesn't have the talent of Ohio State or Alabama at wide receiver. I get it. You can't just invent it. You can't just make it there if it's not there. Do they have bad wide receivers? No. They ain't got no preseason All-Americans out there, at least not yet. So this is the one thing that if Georgia was going to do, they'd have a much better chance at winning a national championship. You need to play a flawless game. In fact, two flawless games in the college football semifinal and the national championship. Uh, against high-level teams like Alabama or Ohio State, which you may end up seeing both of them, by the way, um, you know, you 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 have to play nearly flawless football against offenses like that. And if you don't and your defense isn't on point and they make one or two mistakes, that could be the difference in a game. You know, because, again, remember, uh, let's go back to it. Was it I think it was a a – what was it, a five- or six-point game? I think it was 18-13 in the national championship with, like, five minutes left before 
you know, Georgia broke one and then a pick six that made the game look, you know, not even close. So let's not have revisionist history. Again, that was a close game for three of the four, three and a half quarters in, in, in the national championship. And you need some mistakes. And when it does, the game looks like a blowout. So there's that. But again, I say all this to remind you that uh, Georgia's going to be very good this year. And there's no reason to believe they won't be one of the two or three teams that are likely going to make the college football playoff. And it may come down to Georgia beating Alabama in the SEC championship game or vice versa if the other one isn't undefeated. So, yeah, again, uh, and don't forget about the SEC championship game, the, the way that Alabama kind of dominated that game. You know, that game is still out there for somebody against Georgia. And offensively, they didn't play their best. All right. Coming up next, uh, Alabama and Georgia, the class of the SEC. But if they falter, who is there to pick up the pieces in the SEC? We'll do that next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back. Final segment of A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Uh, before we get back to the SEC, let's hand out a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. You know how to do it. Every day, got to set somebody straight because they did or said something stupid. You can do so on my Twitter account, at Logzuma. Just use the hashtag Shovel of Wisdom. And today, my shovel goes to the PGA. It's not necessarily for the reason that you might think. Uh... Yes, you guys have known my stance for a while now on Live Golf and the PGA, and how I think they've screwed this up. But I'll add this in one little sort of twist here. If you didn't see this, apparently the PGA Tour is, an, is announcing that it is going to be doing uh, this new sort of stadium golf series uh, where you're going to have Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy are, are launching this new stadium series where essentially it's two hours. There's 18 holes. They hit balls into a golf simulator like a screen, and then they walk out onto uh, apparently like a a green-like substance to actually physically putt the ball uh, into a hole. And it's supposed to be on TV and everything else, and you get two big names, obviously, with Tiger and Rory. And on the surface, I genuinely think something like this is interesting. I'd probably watch, and it's probably cool. The problem here for the PGA is that you should have thought of this before. You should have done this before Live Golf showed up. You're doing it now, and it seems like it's disingenuous that you're doing it because you're only doing it because somebody put a better product out there. It's like one of those things where, it's, oh, you forget your wife, your anniversary, and the next day you show up with this huge new bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't forget just a card and a happy anniversary day would have sufficed, right? So this is a, a genuinely interesting idea. But again, it seems like such a desperate attempt now to continue to try to draw people's eyes away from their golf. Once again, PGA doing everything backwards. Instead of embracing the competition, going head to head with it, they're trying to be more divisive and it's not going to work. You're going to end up spending a lot of time, money, and energy and effort to not prevent golfers from leaving for the live tour. Now, again, there's going to be some announcements today at Eastlake from Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA, and there will absolutely be some shakeups going forward, uh, and I believe there will be some shakeups going forward. But 
you know, I, I don't know that any of this is going to deter people from going over there. It, maybe it will, but at this point, Liv is throwing a lot more money around uh, and a lot more comfort around, a lot less stress. And they don't, Liv doesn't have to go out there and prove themselves to anyone at this point. They just go play golf. Right? Like, the PGA is now going to ask more of Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and everything else. And oh, by the way, Tiger doing this is the easiest layup in the world. Tiger could take a dump on TV and people would watch. Like, that's just the way it is with Tiger. So him doing this, and again, it makes a ton of sense to have him doing this. Can't walk 18 anymore. Can't walk for four days straight. You give him in a simulator, all he's got to do is stand up, sit down, swing a club. Yeah, his back and his leg can handle all that. When he doesn't have to move more than 15 feet in any given direction at any point in time for two hours, he'll be fine. So from that standpoint, it's smart. You're getting Tiger to do it is smart. But, you know, again, it, it, it's not like if you take Tiger out and you put in Sergio Garcia, no, he went to live today. Uh, you put in Xander Schauffele against Rory, it's like, okay, maybe they're really watching. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they will. But I doubt it. This seems kind of desperate by the PGA. But what else? Do they uh, they reach the desperation. Kind of like my, uh, my social life, my kid, but not really. All right. Let's get back to the SEC here. Uh, because, look, clearly this is a, a two-team dominant conference right now. It's Georgia and Alabama, and then it's everybody else. And if we look at it by, you know, division, SEC East and SEC West, uh, if one of those teams were to falter, who would be there to pick up the pieces? Now, for my money, and again, if you look across at some of the experts, you know, the experts, the people who are prognosticators and everything else, but um, if you look at those folks, you get a variety of different answers as who's the second best team in the East. For my money, it's Tennessee. They have a real thing there in Hendon Hooker. Josh Heupel, another year there, is going to make that team very, very competitive. I feel like they could be this year's old miss, where they end up winning 10 games. They beat a couple teams nobody thought they were going to beat. They surprised somebody. I mean, look, this is a Tennessee team that also, again, still faces Alabama, still faces Georgia, and still faces, I think they get Texas A&M. But, um, you know, they, they play a tough schedule. Um, no, I'm sorry. Alabama, Georgia, and they got to go to LSU. Playing back. So, from that standpoint, it, it, you know, for them to get the 10 wins um, might be tough. But this is pretty confident, at least an eight or nine win team. And if somehow they can beat LSU and Baton Rouge, which I don't think LSU is going to be very good this year, they can just take one more year for Brian Kelly to get things on track, uh, especially at the quarterback position. That said, uh, Tennessee would be my pick. Now, I've seen other people end up picking Florida. I don't know why people think Florida's going to be good. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm not 100% clear on what. Anybody has seen that Billy Napier is going to turn this program around. That's a 6-16, and 7-5 and five at best, if you ask me. And I don't think Anthony, Anthony Richardson is the answer at quarterback. But that's just me again. Now, Kentucky will always present a problem. Um, they're very sound defensively. They run the ball. They are sort of like a, a poor man's Georgia at a basketball school. And, and, and that's good enough for them to tear through the SEC East, except for Georgia, and at least, you know, be competitive with a team like Tennessee, but they'll beat Vanderbilt, Missouri, uh, Florida, and South Carolina. You know, there's four wins right there. So they're going to be bowl eligible again. And they've won a bowl game four years in a row. But they're not going to be as good as Tennessee, in my opinion. 
on the flip side of the conference after Alabama, you have you have some different options there of who is going to be there to pick up the pieces. Texas A&M is everybody's natural choice at this point in time. But, you know, you continue to ask the questions about Texas A&M, and if they can do it, it's now the time. Uh, will they end up, you know, uh, overtaking Alabama? Can they beat them now two years in a row because it's the only guy who's ever beaten Alabama as a former assistant from Jimbo Fisher? Haynes King is really going to be critical to the Aggies. Uh, he was a quarterback last year, broke his leg, I think, in the first or second game of the year, and he dealt with Zach Calzada all year long. And uh, if Haynes King is back and he's healthy, well, he is back. And if he's healthy and the leg is healed and he can run around and make plays, they have a good shot. But they're going to have to put together an offense that can, that can keep up with Alabama. That's going to be the issue. The defense is going to be sound again. It's going to be tough. They're, going to be, they're not going to give up a lot of points this year. But Haynes King is really the – the answer for Jimbo Fisher, the question for Jimbo Fisher, and how much they can get out of it. Um, and, and I think they have the talent to do it. It's just a question of whether they can put it all together. And then the only other real, to me, viable option is Arkansas. Um, I love what Sam Pittman has done with this team. Nine wins last year. I think they may get to 10 this year. They're going to smoke Cincinnati in their week one game, uh, and it's going to be off to the races. This is an Arkansas team that could be 4 0, 5 0 to start the year before they end up. You know, going through a, a meat grinder in their schedule. But Sam Pittman, as a Georgia disciple and a Kirby Smart disciple, you know, uh, really has built something that they haven't seen in Arkansas in a long time. You know, again, they, they, they beat Texas AM, they start off 4 0, 3 0, and then they get AM and Alabama, they both get them home. Now, they do have to travel to BYU in the middle of October, which is an interesting game. Um, could be a spot that they get tripped up. But I think they're good enough to beat AM. They'll probably lose to Alabama, even though they're going to be home. Uh, and then it's BYU and Ole Miss. But, you know, I can see 10 wins for this team in a 10 2 finish and a New Year's 6 goal for Arkansas. There's no reason to believe you should. They can run the ball. They've got good quarterback play. They're going to be incredibly physical up front. So for me, that's where I would go. Don't trust LSU yet. Ole Miss has lost so much. It'll be interesting to see what Lane Kiffin can do. Um, there's a lot of people who think that he'll be back again and, and we'll miss him back again. But it's a coin flip for me. I think Auburn and Mississippi State are going to be bad. Uh, by Auburn standards, they're going to be bad. They might finish, you know, six and six again, but they might be like, you know, two and six and five. So that's that's really the problem. I don't know if you know what They might only beat up on Mississippi State and, and somebody else and, you know, LSU or whatever. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. The SEC West is always going to be interesting. In potential, but, you know, that's there. All right, that'll do it for us today here on A to Z. Back tomorrow on a Friday to wrap things up. You guys have a wonderful Thursday. Don't forget to have a